I am hesitant to call myself a Swifty. I feel like um, there's probably some kind of test you need to take um, in order to prove you have enough knowledge of uh, not only Taylor Swift facts, but Taylor Swift lore and uh, Easter eggs and all that to to be considered a Swifty. I feel like if if I were to um, if I were to claim myself as a Swifty in a room full of Swifties, I think I'd get that uh, I'd get grilled like back when I was a teenager and someone said that they liked Blink One Eighty Two and uh, th- that they liked punk. Uh, then you say, oh, if you're so punk and you like Blink-182, name five of their songs not on the radio. I feel like there'd be a similar gauntlet for that for myself if uh, I, I, I claim to be a Swifty. Um, maybe a baby Swifty, if that's if that's acceptable to the Swifty community. But uh, um, my TikTok, my, my TikTok has a couple different algorithms right now, okay? Um, there's a lot of pop-punk nostalgia. And, of course, um, uh, current uh, pop-punk Blink-182 concert footage shows up a lot in my, my TikTok for you page. I'm sure Fallout Boy will as well once, uh, once their tour kicks off. Um, let's see. There's a lot of wrestling nostalgia in my TikTok for you page. Um, a lot of people re-watching Seventh Heaven and breaking down kind of how ridiculous that is. That, that's, that's been a thing. And... Uh, a lot of Swift talk talk also comes across my my for you page on TikTok. And um, a few weeks ago, it was just all populated by um, her Nashville concert that got delayed for three hours, and then she ended up playing for three hours in the pouring rain. And I guess it happened uh, again over the weekend in Foxborough. A lot of uh, pictures, uh, a lot of videos of her. I don't think this one was was postponed. Maybe it was. The one in Nashville was postponed for a few hours because there was lightning. I think this was just rain. Um, but it, it looked like this. I mean, the the rainstorm in Nashville was deluge, but this looked almost monsoon-like. And, uh, of course, uh, Taylor Swift, she went out, went out and played. It's, it, it's kind of becoming a selling point for this era's tour. Um, that, uh, hey, rain or shine, uh, there's going to be a Taylor Swift concert. And uh, actually, I, I think uh, for, for some fans, they might be waiting for the rain because it kind of adds a little bit more magic and whimsy to it. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be hardy enough. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone that I like enough uh, to stand out in the pouring rain and watch a three-hour concert with them, especially if I had my cell phone in my pocket, because um, I don't know um, how these people were videotaping Taylor Swift in the pouring rain. Maybe they have, like, a, um, a waterproof otter box or something. Um, but that would be my main concern, that my cell phone um, would, uh, w- would get damaged. Um, I think maybe once upon a time... Um, you know, when I was a teenager, Green Day was my favorite band. I might have sat outside in the rain and saw them, but uh, I don't know if I'm that hardy. So that might be another strike against me uh, when it comes to the Swifties. But um, my my main question is, I, I, I mean, how is that safe? Or how is that good for the equipment? I would imagine that there's maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of electrical equipment up there on the stage. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if that stuff is protected with a sturdy shelter 
I don't know if her band um, is protected by a sturdy shelter. I would imagine playing uh, electronic instruments in a puddle uh, might put people at risk, might electrocute them, or at the very worst, damage your gear. I mean, Taylor Swift uh, is out there with a microphone. Okay, you lose a wireless microphone, I'm sure. Her wireless microphones are, are expensive, but you know it's probably a drop in the bucket when it comes to um, uh, the, the tour budget. Um, she was out there with a piano. I would think that uh, piano, you could dry it out and still play it. But still, you know, there has to be some kind of electronic component that you hook up to that piano in order for a, a whole arena of people. Um, Gillette Stadium, I think it's where the Patriots play. Um, for them to be able to hear that piano. So, I don't know. Um, like I said, um, she sure she sure does know how to deliver an experience for her fans. Um, and, uh, like I said, I think that, uh, I, I think that the rain is becoming a selling point here, um, on her, on her tour, as long as it can be done safely. So, uh, um, if, uh, if you got tickets to the, uh, one in, uh, Detroit here, I think it's either this Friday or the Friday after, um, enjoy. I don't think you're going to have to worry about, uh, getting caught in the rain with all apologies to, uh, was it Jimmy Buffett? Or Rupert Holmes, either one of those two. Um, you're going to be inside Ford Field, so you're not going to have to worry about it. All right, on to less fun things. The NA, the NA, the NAACP, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, um, has issued a travel advisory for Florida over the weekend, um, mostly um, mostly citing. Um, Ron, Governor Ron DeSantis is openly hostile, in their words, policies to people of color and to people who identify with um, being LGBTQ+. And we've talked about um, a lot of the anti-trans legislation um, that uh, that is passed in that state legislature, and he's signed. Um, but another controversial bill that uh, his rubber stamp state legislature signed uh, passed and he signed um, was defunding DEI diversity equity and inclusion uh, curriculum um, at the AP level at the college level and I think uh, I, I think that uh, this is both college level and like kids can um, kids can take it in high school as well hence the name AP advanced placement uh, he defunded that you know, critical race theory has become a big buzzword. I don't know if critical race theory is as radical as people say it is. Um, I, I wonder what would happen if, if Fox News and all these political pundits were around. Uh, when I was a kid and we were learning about Black History Month, uh, Martin Luther King in, Fe in, in the month of February, George Washington Carver, all that stuff. I don't know if that would have been shot down as critical race theory. But uh, I don't know. I j just like I don't think straight kids need to be protected from gay kids um, any more so than they need to be protected by other straight kids. I don't think kids need to be protected from unflattering depictions of people who look like them throughout history, especially if those pe if those people did terrible things to other folks and. Um, What's the old saying? If you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. 
I mean, I learned about slavery in, in, in school. I learned about Jim Crow. I learned about segregation. And, uh, you know, it didn't hurt my feelings, even though I'm white, because I, I got to say, I've, I've always believed racism and segregation was wrong. And so if your feelings are being hurt by that, maybe you should take a look at your own views. Um, the NAACP put out a statement. Florida is openly hostile towards African-American people of color and LGBTQ individuals. Before traveling to Florida, please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and the challenges faced by African-Americans and other communities of color. Again, thanks to Ron DeSantis uh, legislating from the comments section. And I don't know... I, I, I don't know what this strategy is other than he's either A, very threatened by people who aren't straight and white like he is, or B, um, B he um, is, is just trying to pander to a very um, paranoid, a very non-inclusive um, sect of the Republican Party. But when it comes to presidential politics, I think once you get into the the general, if he does find a way to get past Donald Trump um, in the primary, this stuff, I think this stuff is really going to sink him in the general if he ever gets that far. Um, You know, but my question is, um, you know, the NAACP put out this travel advisory because um, Ron DeSantis vetoed um, black education at the college level. Um, via AP courses. If I were glad, I'd probably do the same thing too. If uh, there's anyone who's been made a boogeyman by Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature, it's, as the NAACP said, the LGBTQ community. But I do have a question, okay? Um, you know, if, you, if you're on board with this and, uh, you know, you don't want to go down to Florida and give them your money because you're either black or in the LGBTQ community, or you just feel like what Governor DeSantis and, and, and the state legislature is doing is wrong, can you still go to Disney? I feel like you could still go to Disney because they're feuding with, with Ron DeSantis. So, and they're, for the time being, um, still their own kind of self-governing entity. So I feel like um, while you may want to boycott or avoid the whole state of Florida, because of the straight white dystopian paradise that Ron DeSantis is trying to turn it into, I think it's still okay to go to Disneyland as a as a form of protest. Uh, because uh, right now it's team it's team Disney versus team DeSantis. Now, whether or not you can afford to go to Disneyland is another um, is a, a another issue. But I think that uh, even if you want to support marginalized communities and you have a Florida vacation um, planned, you could still take that Florida vacation uh, because they're at odds with Ron DeSantis. So it would still be it would still be supportive, at least in my view. And speaking of trans kids being marginalized, uh, it seems like there is a bit of a hubbub brewing right here in Metro Detroit. The Rochester Community School Board voted 5-2 to two on May 8th to pass a resolution in support of LGBTQ students. 
Um, now, when Caitlin Buss is uh, right up on this from the Detroit News, I don't see any specifics as to what that resolution is other than a, a, a symbolic show of support. Um, and, and maybe more details will come out about it. Uh, but obviously, there are some parents, and I don't know if they're the majority, but um, you know they're, they're the loudest contingent, so they're going to get the uh, news coverage. There's uh, a large group of parents out there who don't like this. They bring up the slippery slope of, of this is going to turn the bathrooms into a wild, wild west, and it's going to allow uh, boys on, on, on girls' sports teams and it's going to uh, allow the school to keep secret the gender and sexual orientation of their kids. And, uh, you know, like I've said in the past, the, 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 bathroom, the bathroom and the, the women's sports issue um, is something that merits more discussion. But I'm going to talk about keeping kids' sexual orientation or identity um, secret from their parents. Now, if I were a high school guidance counselor or a teacher, a trusted adult, and a kid came up to me and said, uh, hey, Mr. Parsons, I want to tell you something. Um, you know, um, I've been carrying around the secret. Um, I, I think that I'm gay or I think that, um, you know, even though I was born, born a boy, um, I, I really want to live as a girl. Um, I haven't been able to tell anyone. Could you please keep it a secret? And um, I, I think that the school should should absolutely have the right to keep this stuff secret because, um, number one, you know, the, the, this kid might feel that uh, if they come out to their parents, they'll be disowned, they'll be abused, um, their, their parents will turn on them. Not everyone's parents are open and accepting to it. Um, now, you know, the responsible thing to do is to say, okay, well, I will keep your secret. Um, but have you told your parents, why haven't you told your parents and strongly encourage them to let their parents know when they feel safe and, and, and when it feels appropriate to do it. Um, and, and you know what, this is why I think that expanding the don't say gay bill down in Florida, um, at first they tried, um, expanding it to high school. They've expanded it to eighth grade. Um, but I think it could be so damaging because there's a lot of kids out there who don't feel like they're the norm and they see what's happening in Florida with gay and trans kids being marginalized. And that's, that, 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 that makes them feel ashamed of who they are. And so I think the responsible thing to do is for these schools to strongly encourage the child to involve their parents in this uh, because good parents, they have the right to know. But bad parents are going to make the situation even worse. And this child, uh, you know, a child who might feel like they identify as gay or that they might identify as trans, being able to tell somebody to get it off their chest might be the difference between life and death to that kid. Obviously, I don't have the, the, the statistics at my fingertips, but um, obviously we've, we've heard that, that, that suicide and, and deaths of despair in the LGBTQ community are much higher 
than, um, you know, in the non-LGBTQ community. And it's for stuff like this. It's because laws are being passed against their right to exist. Laws and rules are being proposed that even if they confide in somebody, it's going to be mandatorily reported to their parents, who are, are probably, in some of these cases, unfortunately, uh, the people that these kids are afraid of finding out the most. So, like I said, there, there's a lot of things that I, I think are still up for discussion and that I hope that as a society we can find solutions for that make everyone feel safe and everyone feel supported. But the one thing I'm absolutely sure of is that schools should reserve the risk to keep to not have to report a child's sexual identity or sexual orientation if they confide in um, a trusted adult at school and ask them to keep it a secret um, for fear of their own safety at home. That, to me, is a non-negotiable. We have another uh, official presidential candidate who has entered the race um, in the primary on the GOP side. Uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott um, has declared that he will be running for president against Donald Trump, who has declared that he's running. Uh, Nikki Haley, a fellow Republican from South Carolina, former governor Nikki Haley, has um, has declared she's running. And uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, I believe finally he's expected to announce his run uh, sometime this week. So by the end of the week, we're going to have uh, the, the big four candidates on the Republican side. Uh, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley are all expected to be um, officially in the race. Mike Pence might um, might declare as well. Um, it, not that I think anyone really has a chance outside of Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, but I think I think Mike Pence has has even less of a chance because um, before January sixth, Democrats didn't like him obviously because he's Donald Trump's vice president, and then after January sixth, a, a large amount of of Republicans turned their back on him because um, he refused to deny the election results and that Joe Biden won the election um, outright, and, and there, were, there were no scams. But I, I, I think I actually find Tim Scott and Nikki Haley to be intriguing from, from this, this perspective. Like I said a second ago, I don't really think a lot of people have a chance against Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And, and really, according to the polling, Donald Trump's lead is widening over Ron DeSantis. I think I saw on the Today Show, Donald Trump is high 70s, low 80s. Ron DeSantis at 16%, and everyone else is kind of uh, in sing single digits. But I wonder at, at, at what point these people stop campaigning to be president and maybe start focusing their intentions on, on being vice president. Now, Kamala Harris was a surprise. Uh, I thought that she uh, was was no longer in the running as Joe Biden's uh, vice president because I remember in uh, one of the debates she called him out uh, for for racism and not uh, believing um, victims of sexual assault. 
and she really, uh, you know, she she really put him through the ringer. And I said, Jesus Christ, I said, there's no way she's going to be vice president after that. Because at that point, you know, Joe Biden on stage, he kind of had the swagger, like I have this thing in the bag. And then uh, when Nikki Haley kind of, I'm, I'm sorry, when Kamala Harris started uh, calling him out on uh, certain things that were less than flattering, he had this deer in the headlights look like, how dare, how, how dare she question me? The uh, presumed candidate, uh, presidential candidate on the Democrat side. So maybe, maybe that's not actually a thing. But I can see both Tim Scott and Nikki Haley being very attractive vice presidential candidates. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like pretty much the, the main job of a vice president is to fill some demographic gaps on the campaign trail, which both Tim Scott and Nikki Haley do. Uh, Tim Scott, it's being, uh, a lot's being made that he is the only black Republican in the Senate that would, uh, that would fill some holes for Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. Uh, and Nikki Haley, who, to me, has been the most sane and has seemed to be the most qualified presidential candidate thus far, uh, which means that she's got no chance. Kind of like John Kasich in 2016. You remember John Kasich in 2016, uh, former Ohio governor? Uh, there'd be times he was on the stage with, with Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, and I can't remember who else was running. Um, but they would all be just, just, just sniping at each other back and forth. And there was a time or two when John Kasich said, listen to us on stage, we all look nuts. And I said, oh my gosh, that's probably the only person on the stage who is qualified and sane enough to be president, which means he stands no chance. That's how, how I feel about Nikki Haley. You know, she's been making the rounds, um, you know, selling this, 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 this compromising pro-life message where she says she's pro-life, but she also understands not everyone else is pro-life and government's job is not to um, bend people to your personal will, but it's to find compromise. And also, I think she recognized that uh, uh, Republicans lost their ass in 2022 on the abortion issue. Um, so that that's why I think, unfortunately, um, she doesn't stand a chance in this uh, Republican primary because she's too qualified and she's too reasonable. But she would also be a very good vice presidential candidate. Um, she's a woman. She's a woman of color. I don't I don't. I don't know if she's Native American or her parents are from India, uh, but she's a person of color in that respect. And, uh, you know, she can really smooth out a lot of rough edges for, for Donald Trump. And they're both from the South, um, which people always make some kind of a deal about geography. Um, but obviously Donald Trump, though he spends his time in Mar-a-Lago, in Ron DeSantis's, uh state of Florida, he is uh, heavily identified as a New Yorker, um, so you'll kind of have a couple of uh, uh, Southern um, policymakers on the ticket. Obviously, Ron DeSantis is the uh, is the Republican uh, candidate. The you know the Southern connection, I guess, isn't as strong as a selling point. But at, at this at this point, I'm going to uh, assume Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. So. Be interesting to see. Obviously, Mike Pence will not be Donald Trump's running mate this time around. Um, and I don't want the Republicans to win. 
But if they want to win, I think uh, I, I, I think they could do a lot worse than uh, Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. Although I don't know much about Tim Scott's politics, so I may come to regret that statement. But when it comes to all those other boxes being checked off, I think uh, both of them are very intriguing.